Alrighty, hello, welcome to the Creecast. Thank you for listening. As always, appreciate you all that listen regularly and and support this little whatever that we call this uh, podcast allegedly. Um, this is David. As always, just a I guess um, this week just a wrap of everything that's been this week. I haven't um, last week. I did my kind of a pretty um, haphazard review of the AFL men's season as it was. Um, that was all the time I had another podcast recording for another thing I do with a mate over here uh, last week and then a few other things going on. So, um, yeah, haven't had much time to... Didn't get to talk about the AFLW last week, so I'll do a little bit of that today. Um, unfortunately, that season's a bit um, average at the moment. Um, a few issues there. Um, just just the gameplay is a bit, you know, need to... Skills need to improve, and all the all the cliches really. Um, it's all very much in front of them. It's just they need to get it together. Um, so hopefully, a good last four weeks of the season at least can get them building towards next year. But we really need to see, start seeing something um, just to, you know, give some hope for next year because we'd really by year three of these girls, you'd want to start seeing them at least competing for finals. So, um, so we'll talk a bit about that uh, as well as just a wrap of everything else that's been the last week. It's been a reasonably busy week in the Port World. We had the best and fairest night. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's been obviously trade weeks heated up and there's things happening there. We've made some moves, small moves, pick swaps and all that. Um, but yeah, there's some other things on the table there, obviously, with some players um, asking out and players wanting in and all the all the um, things that are going on there to try and, the you know, the machinations and manoeuvres and, and lever pulls that are happening to try and make all those things happen, which is frustrating as hell um, watching all that go on. And I'm not sure, sh- oh, yeah, I have to say, I'm not sure how much I enjoy trade period in the AFL um, because it is just, you know, all in one, you know, it's all in one week uh, or a couple of weeks. It's, um, it makes it very almost immature in the way it, it comes about. I, it's always just the time of year that clubs, and you know, this isn't exclusive to AFL, um, as a Portland Trailblazers fan, I've just seen the saga that's gone on with Damian Lillard, but at least that was like, it was a couple of months because the Blazers were able to, you know, he asked out and and, uh, and obviously the way trades work in, in, in US sports is a little bit different anyway, you know, it's, um, you know, free agency and all that stuff works differently over here and, um, you know, they had a couple of, you know, when Lillard asked out and what was it, July 1st um, in the NBA over here, it was, you know, this is the club he wants to, you know, it was all like he wants to go to Miami Heat and, you know, but he doesn't have to. The Blazers didn't end up making that move anyway. They ended up trading him to the Milwaukee Bucks because he didn't have a no trade clause in there. And it's just it's just different over here. And, and yes, it was frustrating and immature and, the, and there was some, there's some bad blood between Miami Heat fans and Portland Trailblazers fans get involved in Blazers Twitter and it's it's some good fun banter there now that the deal's been done. But um, just with the... It's very heightened and like hyper real in the AFL spectrum because of the fact it's all in a two-week period. So... And players have to players ask out within that period. And, you know, there's probably notions that players are available. You know, leading up to it, but um, it's still like all of it has to happen in that two week period. It just seems, it's just to me, you know, I'm not I'm not even here for a uh, mid season trade period. I just sometimes think maybe they just need to go fully lean into it and just have the trade period extend out. Um, and at to a certain point in the season, and just you know, just allow that bit more freedom for clubs to be able to make a decision as well as players and 
and whether I, you know, there's a part of me that goes, you know, we don't want to go too far down the US route of players being able to be traded against their will and all that stuff because you know, there's socio, there's societal factors involved in that. The US is a huge country, there's bigger cities and all that kind of stuff, but really. Um, yeah, there's there's interesting Drew Holiday, who's an NBA player for the Milwaukee Bucks, who was involved went the other way in the Damian Lillard trade. Um, you know, his wife put out a real, you know, and there's some there's some context. You know, there's, you know, unfortunately, that's just the nature of the business, and she knows, and she's there there by far not the first, and won't be the last to deal with it. But she said, kind of put out a thing about how you know they've been there six seven years, and the kids went to school there. They were friends with their, you know, friends with teammates kids and all that kind of stuff and then you know he suddenly he he wakes up after a nap and finds out he's been traded and i don't think they were expecting that and certainly milwaukee came into that late in the piece um so yeah i i have my issues with the but there is also this the afl seems to want to have more of that involved in it and fans and unfortunately the modern sport you know that I know fans that are probably older than me probably don't like it as much, and and even I have some issues with it. But I do think the freedom player, some player power is good, but you do, you want to balance it out. And I think you have seen it in the um, over overseas sports when player power has you know there's balances, there's checks, and there's you know collective bargaining agreements and all that come up. And um, I'm not even sure exactly, but I just I for some reason the way it works at the moment the more and more the player power stuff happens and yeah look we benefited last year with Jason Horn Francis and you know I'm not I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and say it hasn't worked for us at times but um and certainly I'm not expecting anything major from Port apart from you know if we can get a Sava done but um I'll talk about that in a bit but it's more just the two-week thing and the trade radio and all that. Like they seem to make it, they make this big event about it, but it's just two weeks, and it just seems like there's a more mature way to do this. And whether it needs to just be that you've got a couple of months, uh, players can say what they want to do, but then clubs don't have to do it in this period of time. And I don't know how that works in the greater world and scheme. You know, the the greater. Um, environment of the AFL because players need to you know preseason starts and they want to but you know overseas sports do this all the time again so I don't know how far I want to go down that road but it just seems like this trade period just seems the more we get into the this modern age of trade radio and and it's just its own it's almost the trade the two-week trade period has almost become its own two-week little league of just boardroom dealings though it's it's a boardroom sports thing it's a list management boardrooms sporting arena and i'm just not sure i enjoy it is that there's the 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 media coming out saying oh this club's not saying this club you know turn this down out of hand and blah 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 blah, blah. and fans are getting involved and they're saying what what the fuck's this club think their player is worth and it's just it, it's just to do that in two weeks just seems it, i just just something I don't, I don't even know what it is about it that it's uneasy to me it's just uneasy to me so I don't know what point I'm exactly trying to make, but I wonder if other people just feel the same about it. That it's just something weird about it, and just odd. And maybe it's because I do watch a lot of overseas sports as well, and I love my NBA and you know, soccer and hockey and NFL and everything. I watch everything. I'm a slut for my sports. Um, it's 2023. I'm allowed to be, um, but I just I'm not sure. There's something about it that just doesn't sit right with me. The way it it goes I, I yeah 
Yeah, I wonder if other people feel the same. And I don't know, and that's my thing, is I don't exactly know how I'd fix it, but I just think the two-week thing is just, and the way that we do it. In the past, it was fine because we didn't have, it was all, it all did happen behind the scenes and it was fine, like it just, it was a little bit more, it probably wasn't gentlemanly behind the scenes, but at least we weren't too privy to it. But now that we're privy to it, now that we're kind of going down this road of doing the trade radio and all that thing, I just think we need to, you know, ex, you know, just, go with the times and if this is what we're going to do and make it this thing then maybe we need to extend it more and you know if it's going to be and it's in the media and there's barbs coming back and forth and things are getting out through sources in the media and stuff like that then maybe clubs need to be afforded a little bit more time to have more mature discussions about it rather than rushing them because we're, we're doing we're doing this stuff where clubs are um being asked to, you know, and with with trade picks, you know, now that we've started draft pick trading and all that stuff in the last five, ten years, I can't remember exactly when that started, but we've started that. So clubs are being asked to list manage and and figure out their draft hand, figure out their draft picks and their future picks and what they want to do and players coming in and do all this stuff in a very shortened amount of time and to, you know, and that's, you know, the list managers are paid this money to do this stuff and hopefully they make the right decisions, but... You see clubs making some poor decisions and, and, you know, now we've got North Melbourne um, getting their assistance package, which is just bullshit. Um, I don't understand assistance packages and stuff like that. Um, Maybe it's just me coming from the harsh climate of, you know, over, you know, in the NFL, clubs can be, teams can be shit for fucking 20 to 30 years straight and they won't get no help. You know, they're just, how I understand it, if someone that's, you know, I know there's... um, great <laughs> shout out Ryan um, Chicago Bears podcaster and big Bears fan that probably understand if there is things that happen in that sense that I'm not aware of let me know um, I can be wrong often am wrong happy to admit I'm wrong I do but you know you just don't see such an assistance package to the level that you know and then there was that rumor that the kangaroos were trying to trade for the um, number one pick or was it a rumor or was it actually that they did put up like picks one maybe one or two picks in the teens and a pick in the in the twenties and forties maybe like four picks to package together to get the number one pick from um, West Coast, which they already have the second and third pick I think with their their own pick that they have, and then compensation possibly, and then another and assistance. I'm starting to get already confused by it all. Um, you can look up the facts if you want about what the kangaroos are getting at the moment, but and then you know then people were saying this and you had kangaroos fans going oh this isn't part of the assistance package we're just trying to trade for it and i'm like but the thing is their draft hand that they've been given with the assistance package allows them more flexibility to try and go for the number one pick so if they ended up with like three out of the top four picks or some fucking stupid thing like that it would be tampering and um disingenuous to the rest of what is meant to be a fair league you cannot and they've already got a good young core um you know, Wardlaw, uh, I know she's a wheel, no, but Wardlaw come on great and they've got some good players. They, If they get one, they have they need to, you know, this to me is close to what we were giving to like the, you know, the, the, the botched drafts of the GWS and Gold Coast era. So, and when we see stuff like that happening um, and then there's all just a draft period and, and just, yeah, I got off on a bit of a tangent there, but I think we're, we just need to adjust how we're doing this in the AFL, both in this assistance package stuff as well as 
trade periods and asking, you know, list managers and, you know, clubs. Oh, that's what I was saying, yeah, because clubs are asked to do um, do a lot of work in this period and North Melbourne fucked up a little bit over the last few years. You know, they, <laughs> Jared Pollock probably wasn't a good move for them. Um, he's, a, you know, I loved Pollock at Port and, you know, he had some great years and was actually really, really, you know, I miss... Jared Pollock as, at his best was, you know, an incredibly good wingman and, and probably someone we need um, and we're probably maybe what we were hoping we were going to get out of Dersmer a little bit, but, you know, possibly you know, injuries and stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, the Kangaroos have, you know, made their bed a bit and, you know, that it should be on them to get themselves out of it a little bit. You know, assistance as far as, you know, maybe if... Uh, slush funds from the AFL or whatever to, you know, certain things like that but actual actual assistance that takes away from, that gives you competitive advantage on field and takes away from other clubs, draft hands and stuff like that and clubs that are you know it's a it's a bit of a schmozzle I think, um, how it's all how it all goes in the off season and, and that's what I mean, like I've just rambled for the first 15 minutes here, completely unintentional but oh, it's something that's been on my mind um you know, it's just the the off season just is a little bit is a little bit weird. Um, trade period, and again, it's not that I don't care about I I have any issues with deals that are done. It's just that I feel like teams are rushed and and there's this, and you know we've we've just spent the essentially the first week just in a you know staring contest with Geelong over this fucking Asava deal, and then um, and you know, and then it's going into the second week, and it's already, there's already the pressure on to get it done. It just feels like there should be more time for teams to be able, allow a little bit more calmness and and adult thinking to come into the room, rather than this rushed idea that oh, for, you know, a missing piece away from a premiership, and which we have been for ten years apparently. Um, and this is the one that we need to get done, otherwise we're not going to win a flag. And it's just like Asava coming in doesn't guarantee a flag. It doesn't even get as close to it. Actually, there's a lot of other issues we need to fix. Um, and, uh, but we shouldn't be rushed into, and I feel like that's what Geelong is hoping for, is that we're going to be desperate enough to, to put up picks this way, or put up a deal that they're happy with and, and pay overs for him. Um, and this, but this is for a player that's uncontracted and wants out for a second year in a row, which is another thing that if that was happening, you know, that just doesn't happen overseas. If a player's uncontracted, they're fucking free to go. Um, yeah, you have restricted free agency and teams can match, um, but if they don't match, then they go. Um, and it's just, it's just again, it's we've we seem to have half dipped our toes into a more freedom player freedom movement thing with the free agency and stuff, but not enough that p- clubs can still bend a player over and uh, or bend another club over for a player that they don't even have on a contract, which is just really really weird to me. So um, I guess I'll talk a bit a bit more about the player specifics quickly in a bit but I guess that's just my overall thoughts on the whole period you know it's just it's uneasy to me um and yeah like I said we got we got the benefit of it last year with um player players wanting to move in the Jason Horn Francis one but we did a deal that um you know there was a fair bit that went away like I think we overall get the number one draft pick a year after he's been drafted um you know we we got him for less than what we would have if we tried to trade for the pick the year before, but you know we still put up a pretty handy deal I think, and and essentially, you know North Melbourne did fine out of that, and they should be, um, but they're still asking for assistance and getting it. But anyway, we'll talk about it a little bit more in a sec. I need a quick break though, so I'll be back in a moment. 
Alrighty, so with all those thoughts and um, brain worms aside, we look at what we're dealing with, and one deal that's um, you know in the books is just a pretty just elemental kind of pick swap. Uh, we received a current uh, second round selection from Frio, uh, which is tied to North Melbourne Compensation, which is currently pick twenty three, and then we got a twenty twenty four second round pick from um, Frio as well. They get our first round pick. Uh, next year so we basically take two second rounders in um to with by giving up one first rounder so you know there is the question of how much we're mortgaging the future um or mortgaging our future for the now um you know uh, we did we did a similar you know and it'll be interesting to see what comes of uh uh just to before i get into talking about that Xavier Dersma has requested a trade. Seems like it was, you know, I know I'm disappointed by it in the fact that I do see that he's got talent, but it has been a frustrating couple of years. And um, it, it appears, based on you know, and you can take Kane Corn's whispers for what it's for, whatever you whatever worth you put into it. I think when he comes out with stuff like this, it does come from a uh, place of you know, and you know, again, it comes from you know, maybe sources at the club which they have their own inherent bias. So. Again, take you can take it with a grain of salt if you want, but it seems that basically the Dersma's exit meeting, um, to paraphrase what he put out on the radio this week, that you know there was discussions at the exit meeting. Dersma was you know looking for a bit more on the ball inside time. The club probably and fair enough as well probably put it out there that hey look, it's a pretty tight for spots in there. We want to continue using you on the wing. Um, you know, I mean, especially with the fact we've got Horn Francis coming up, and he's going to get more and more on the ball time as you know he, as he ages in. Um, you got Butters and Rosie have taken over in that midfield in the midfield as well. Willem Drew's obviously a key part of that. Ollie Wines hopefully will get back in there as well. Um, Travis Boak's here next year. Um, obviously, Boak not not long for the future, unfortunately. As much as hard as that is to say, we're just going to you know this year felt dicey at the end. Um, a wines a couple more years hopefully um, but we need to see some big improvement next year but again those spots are tied up um, Dersma was not going to get any more on the ball time than he is at the moment and you know clearly the club saw is wanted to try to use him in that wing role they said, and it seems like they said look if that's what you're looking for explore your options he did and Essendon come up and he's requested a trade there so um, that is and, you know, that's obviously tied into the fact that uh, defenseman from Essendon, Brandon Zirk Thatcher, has requested a trade to Port Adelaide. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I think the uh, comparative value, I'd hope, and this is getting back to the picks and the mortgage in the future thing, I hope that um, similar to what we did when Wingard wanted out like, a few years ago, Dersma is obviously not going to demand the same capital as Wingard because uh, Wingard was an All-Australian and still relatively young at the time. Um, and we were able to get picks and Ryan Burton out of that one. So, uh, might have been picks that ended up in Dersma. So that's that's a interesting um, parallel. But uh, Butters or Dersma, I think, were picks around there. Um, but hopefully, I would expect and hope that a fair deal. And again, I'm coming up from my own bias that Zerk Thatcher, Dersma, and maybe we get a pick as well. It's not going to be a high pick, uh, but the picks can be capital to trade up and, and get yourself back into some more high picks. So hopefully, looking at what we 
have done and we've you know given away some first rounders that we start loading up even if it's lower down picks you see this happen in NFL and all that all the time and you know the Patriots have been good at this over the years not that they've drafted well but um, they've been good at loading up on picks and and moving them around um, depending on what their needs and wants are so you know that's kind of what we're I'd, I'd be hoping out there so yeah we've got Zerk Thatcher um, obviously I talked about the Asava radically I think who the fuck knows what's going to happen there Geelong are fucking cunts to deal with a bit to be honest um you know, last year it just didn't happen. This year, they're turning down a pick that, you know, pick 24 for a guy that's asked out two years in a row isn't wasn't part of your locked-in best 22. Didn't play in your grand final win last year. I don't know what they're playing at. Like, I get that they see him. I think they're just, they want him in their pocket for the future. Like, as they transition through, they're like, then he'll get a role. But this is like, if you haven't had him in your best, 22 over the last couple of years when you're winning premierships and then this year when you're struggling to get back into the dance you know there's there's a limit on what value you, you can place on him especially that he's asked out to the same club two years in a row he's not under contract either again a massive frustration of mine and how AFL does their list management um, or the rules involved in that um, so it seems we're at loggerheads there I expect to deal with Essendon to get done I just think and we've dealt with Essendon. Essendon played hardball, uh, you know, with Fantasia and Paddy Ryder in the past as well. But eventually we got a deal done that was pretty fair to both parties, I think. Never had any issues with what the deals ended up being. I could be just, you know, Paddy Ryder's was... Jesus Christ, how long ago was that now? That's seven, eight years, eight years ago now that that happened? That was, his first year was 2015 with us, I think. Yeah, 2015 because then it was suspended, 20, 2016... Not his fault, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, and then All-Australian 27. Yeah, so yeah, 2015 must have been his first year. So yeah, that's a long time ago now. I could be completely misremembering that. You know, Gussie Monfries came in a few years before that. We got Fantasia in. Um, I just don't remember as much high. I remember the Paddy Ryder one went down right down to the wire in the end at the end of the... I think it was the last day, or last day or two of the trade period, then it got done, but... Um, Sorry, I'm yawning. I've, yeah, I've been busy. I just, the yawns are coming. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't... You know, I, I expect... Especially with Dersman wanting to go the other way, I think we'll be able to figure something out there. And, and maybe maybe eventually it'll be some kind of three-team. You know, because at last year's deal for Horn Francis ended up being... did that Was that a three- or four-teamer? But essentially the same deal got us both... Willie Rioli and Horn Francis in in the same deal that kind of all work picks going each each way and every way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if maybe that's the way we get around it is that we get you know maybe picks go to Geelong that they that that it's not completely on us. They do you know Th- Zerk Thatcher and Asava both end up at Port and then you know you know Geelong gets their picks. Um, Port uh, Essendon gets you know Dersmer and and we get our pick and you know maybe the pick for Der- you know it goes it, somehow it works out that it goes that we get both those players and we don't have to give up too much to Geelong or Essendon but it's just the the roundabout three team who knows I'm I maybe something in the future as the more time I spend you know obviously this year has been my first year moving out, you know getting the move going overseas and all that stuff and everything still. We're still in the process of getting our, you know, soon to be getting our own place, and then I have more time to office work, and because I'm just literally recording, sitting on the bed right now, um, don't have much room to work at the moment. Um, 
So I'd like to get my wrap my head around how you know list management. But it's just it's just never been a strong suit of mine. It's just I find it frustrating the list management thing. But I'd like to be a bit better about figuring out what the machinations of a move like that could be beyond just a surface level. Maybe this could work. Um, but <laughs> being that's where I'm at, maybe that could work. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to get those two in. Um, but yeah, it, it, the fact is, if a deal doesn't get done, then Asava, like obviously, maybe Geelong could get him, get like offer the contract in the end and maybe he just signs. But also, Asava can just go to the draft. Like, yeah, I think that's still like, you know, kind of like how Nick Stevens ended up leaving Port when we didn't get a deal done with Collingwood all back. Jeez, that's 20 years ago now. Fuck me, I'm old because I remember that as a teenager. God damn it. And it's one of those things you realize you're old. Like, this year it's been two movies that were like, you know, high school movies. Kill Bill Volume 1 and House of a Thousand Corpses, both 20 years old this year. And just, you know, I went to, I went to, um, see House of a Thousand Corpses as a midnight movie at the New Bev, uh, Tarantino's theatre out there in Hollywood. And fuck me, when they, they, they announced it then that it was the 20th anniversary, and I was just like, fucking hell, Jesus Christ, time flies. So it means next year is obviously our 20 year anniversary of the premiership as well. But anyway, that's a complete tangent. Um, but yeah, I wonder if, you know, that's the thing. Um, my cat's dreaming on the bed and kicking me. Shut up, bloody hell. It's all happening. Um, yeah, it, if there will be ways to get a Sava or, you know, it's just, it seems like in good faith, Geelong with, that's my thing is, you know, play, clubs demand loyalty and all that stuff when, when they want to play it. But when the, you know, the Sava's, I think if a player requests a trade, two years in a row to the same club um, and that player did try to come in and do his role this year and all that kind of stuff maybe they, there needs to be a rule in that that they just two years in a row the, you know, the AFL needs to just go you've got to you've got to facilitate something here like get it done especially when that player is now out of contract again I'm speaking from a position of bias as a Port Adelaide podcast you know fuck it if you don't like it you know but it's just again, all this stuff just is weird and doesn't sit right. Sometimes the way the way the AFL handles this stuff just seems odd to be at such a loggerheads for a player that isn't under contract. So we requested a trade two years in a row, um, and again, isn't under contract. That is ridiculous to me, and it'll always be ridiculous to me that we have to even consider giving up pick twenty four and have that turned down for a player that isn't under fucking contract. Mental. Just fucking mental. Anyway, that's about it. Not much has happened this week. Next week's going to be the big week for it, um, obviously. Um, it's a big week around other things, like the Clayton Oliver, like Willy Woney. That just came out of nowhere, but, you know, I guess it makes sense when you start hearing the news that there was some questions about his professionalism and all that. But then this is a club that also had, what, Stephen May, and who was the other fucking bloke? Was it? I can't think of it. They fucking punching on it, and it, like, the off-field stuff at Melbourne's, they won a premiership, so you know, who knows, but just some of the stuff that's happened in the off-field realm of that club over the past few years is very weird. So, you know, I wouldn't think that Oliver's the only person that has that question, and, and considering he's an undoubted freak of a talent of a midfielder, then you just try to make it work, which it seems they've they've come to an understanding, so that's good, but man, wild news. I think I saw that Jack McRae's possibly wanting to head off to Geelong. Which they'll probably get that deal done 
massive unders um, and be happy with it, and then they'll try to bend us over for us over, which is wild. So, anyway, lots of stuff happening outside of Port, but, you know, obviously this week's going to be the big week for seeing what we can get in. Obviously, Jordan Sweet was, I think, uh, wants to come over, and, uh, you know, no top-tier Ruckman, um, so to speak, Looking at, considering how desperate we are for just Ruckman that can play out a game and, and basically function at the AFL level. Um, you know, I saw Ivan Solders, I haven't Soldo's name come up as a whisper because he wants more, you know, first line ruck time. So there's lots of lots of things that could happen this week. Um, so it'll be a stay tuned kind of situation. I'll probably wrap it up this time next week um, and talk about everything that's hopefully happened in our favour. Alrighty, so in the AFLW, since we I last chatted about it, uh, <laughs> I think my last chat about it was going into the West Coast game and hoping to go over there and get a win. Unfortunately, we didn't. And again, last week against blinking right now, Sydney um, at Alberton, which is again the one game we won last year was against Sydney at Alberton by 66 points, I believe it was. Uh, this time around, we lose by um, a couple of goals. And um, yeah, it's unfortunately quite frustrating that the season's gone a little bit haywire. Uh, we are still just with one win on the season, one and five. We're one and three after our first uh, first win. Sorry, one and two. Hold on, let me let me just check the schedule again quickly to make sure I've got my ducks in a row. Um, yeah, no, we you know we lost our first two, one out. So we're one and two at one point, and then obviously we've lost our last three to put us uh, one one and five on the season. And I know when. After we lost to Geelong, I was really hoping we'd maybe get one out of the next two, and I was kind of hoping for two, um, you know, out of you know West Coast and Sydney, and get back to three and three, just be dancing with the idea of finals. But now you've got to look at it and go probably uh, finals out of reach. Um, you know, we're we're two games off the top eight, and you know, just we've got you know relying on other results to kind of balance out while. Uh, you know, because there's a real logjam. Eight through eight through thirteenth, they're all three and three teams. And there's a bunch of one and five teams in the Western Bulldogs sitting there with no wins in the bottom of the table. Um, so look, I guess first first result that would be nice is just don't don't uh, don't finish bottom of the table. I guess I don't know. It's just it's just a season that's gone a little bit more disappointing as it, as it's gone on. Uh, and compounding things is the Crows sitting there at the top of the table as well, undefeated. Um, so they could be on their way to another premiership, which is just wonderful. Um, just get me some bleach to drink. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's just been a disappointing, um, again, skills, goal kicking as well, just just woefully inaccurate. And just and and part of that comes down to the fact we just don't get, you know, I think um, other teams are just better at getting the ball through the middle and, and move the ball better and get better goal-scoring opportunities. Sometimes we're... Um, our opportunities are not as good, um, which just comes down to general on you know around the grounds play. Uh, but then once you, if you get an opportunity, you still just want to be converting a few more of them. We just haven't been um, issues with uh, obviously injury. Janelle Cuthbertson's ob- ob- unfortunately out, out for the season. Uh, I think it was a fink broke a finger, um, which. Yeah, she played out the rest of the game last week, but she's got like torn a flexor tendon, which is you know you don't hear these ones like ones like that too much, but needs surgery in the coming left middle finger and needs surgery in the coming days. Um, 
and obviously with four four weeks to go on the season, including this week. You know, if you if you're a month out, then um, you know, and the fact that finals are just not going to happen, um, that's out for the season. Um, similar to kind of like you know Gemma getting injured what, in game four or five last year, and um, you know just once you get that knee injury, it's you know you're done for the season in a short season like this. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, she's been uh, I've enjoyed her coming into the side. Um, this week, going into North Melbourne, we see some list, uh, not list changes, uh, changes to the side. Um, bring, in, bring in some big changes as well. Uh, we've got uh, Ella Bogue, um, Yazzie Dersma, Maloney, Simmons, and Julia Tickle coming in um, with some interesting outs. Obviously, Janelle Cuthbertson out with that injury I just talked about. Maggie McLaughlin's out as well. Latonya Cockatoo, Motlop, Lily Johnson, and Henna Ewings have been omitted. Henna Ewings um, basically has been omitted due to not meeting performance standards and expectations. The club will continue supporting Ewings on and off the field to assist her in returning to the form she is capable of. I had noted it earlier in the year, I was just like she was having some good moments and not quite getting out after the ball, but I thought uh, it, it would come good. But the last few weeks, it's really been apparent that she just really isn't, hasn't quite been the explosive player we saw in, uh, in in season one for her and and considering she was rising star last year um, had an incredible season um, at burst of pace she's just looked hasn't looked quite as in shape this year I'm trying to be kind about it because it's not like unfit in the sense of a, as a human being but just in football shape not quite there um, this year and um, whether she just you know and she's young young woman she's got plenty of footy ahead of her and she's going to be fine but whether she just you know expected it's come a little bit more this year i don't know i'm not you know not in a sanctum or anything i don't I certainly don't want to put anything on there but considering the club's omitted her for these reasons you just have to take it for what it is and say that she's hasn't quite prepared herself as well this year and um and continues to not possibly throughout the year as well you know maybe it's been something that you know she you know come in uh, into preseason, a bit underdone, and they were hoping that you know to get her right through the season, but it just continued to not do the right things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just disappointing for a player as of prodigious of a talent as she is, and we know she is, and she will continue to be. But you know, I said it a few weeks ago. I thought Abby Darrick was the one that had really come to this season and and possibly been the better of the two, um, which is what I said a few weeks ago. And, you know, it continues to, you know, Derek was second in the Rising Star last year. And, you know, you could play, make argue. I think Ewings was out now, the Rising Star, but Derek was hot in her heels considering, um, you know, she just had it. And, you know, Derek's coming to this year. Um, and she had her own off field little, little dalliance with the law and, uh, you know, just a little minor DUI thing. Um, but she's coming to the season clearly with a mission to, to improve her footy. And, and I'm not to say that Ewings hasn't doesn't want to approve a footy it's just you actually need to you see you see this story all around sports and footy and afl and nba and whatever else and players that when it just clicks for them they realize that you know your talent's not enough you're this is you can be as bigger of a talent as possible as as there is in the world of whatever sport you're in um but it takes something to click and you know the reason the LeBron James and, you know, the the players that are just 
just insane athletes and and in you know their skills and their and their power and and their bodies and everything they do matches up is because they take that extra step you know lebron what is it he spends just millions of dollars and you know he obviously has the money to do it you know he's got his home gym probably personal trainers and all that stuff um to spend the money on his body but he it's also they spend the time on their body and you know all the money and everything in the world can't take away from the time that you dedicate to it and and you know with the girls you know obviously they're not making that money they can't spend that money on it but they can spend the time and you've got players like you know Aaron Phillips is probably the is as good an example as anyone and then you've got the look you know in the on the AFL men's side you've got you know Bokes at the club is a good example of and Boke I think you know you know in his younger years he probably but he, you know he pretty early on he seemed to really latch on to what he needed to do to be as good an athlete as possible and, and to sustain his career as well as as well as just you know he's been reasonably good with injuries over the years probably because he just prepares his body right and you know but Aaron Phillips the fact she's still playing at her age and has and has had a career um a very career in sports and um despite you know having her ACL a few years ago and whatever else is remained has kept up an ability to be one of the better players on the field week to week even though you know at her age we shouldn't be expecting that but she can be and you know you look at Ewings and go these are your your examples of what it takes you know it takes more than just your skill um you need to dedicate you know it's a full-time job um yeah and you know they can get into the reasons that you know unfortunately AFLW I know they've improved over the last year with um, the bargaining agreements and stuff but you know players might still say you know you need to we'd like to be making more but that that will come um and that that will deservedly come as well they deserve to be you know compensated um, well for the entertainment and what they provide but ewings on her side needs to dedicate that time um to being the best player that she can be because we know that she, her, the best that she can be is an all-Australian level player and one of the best in the league we know that's in her and, and I, I expect it to come and I trust that it will because I think that she's um, that she does love her footy and will be there but it's just you know it's a young young person's thing we as they say as they say I think, did I say this on this podcast or was I talking about some it might have been another podcast um, anyway youth is wasted on the young they often say and I've said that often about myself I did you know i didn't take full advantage of some of the opportunities i had when i was younger as well but um you live and you learn but um in her role and you know considering you know she's got the examples right in front of her of what the standard is and can be and what you can get out of your career if you if you hold yourself to those standards let's hope that that's um what happens and the club supporting and um lots of good people around her so you know let's let's hope that's all that's all well and good but you know um Going over to face the kangaroos who are second on the table, um, probably, you know, look, let's just surprise ourselves and be competitive in this match. I don't expect a win here. Let's just be real. Um, but, you know, Julia Teekle's back in. It'll be interesting to see that forward line again with um, Teekle, Saint, Houghton, Tall Timber up there. Uh, Maddie Carrick in there as well. Um, you know, really want to see. There's so much good in this. There's so much promise in some of like, you know continued development for the likes of Shoals and um Emily Borg down back and and co and you know we've got a really good core to this side we just need to start seeing you know just try some things um this isn't a game we're going to come out with with a win 
um, provide, you know, it, yeah, who knows? Upset wins happen. Don't expect it, but really, it'd be nice to hope for it. Um, but just see some development and, and try some things. Um, maybe try, you know, I guess it's it's hard to say because they are, try, I assume they're trying to be better with their ball handling and stuff like that. It's just not happening. But um, at least pressure and, and, and bring a good high-pressure game and some of those core principles that um, mark the early days of this side and, and, and see what we can get out of it. But um, don't expect to win this week. But hopefully, I'm, I'm just hoping that we can get one a couple wins out of the last four games. And if we come out of the season with three wins on the season after some pretty disappointing weeks... All things considered, you know, I would have ex- hoped for four or five at the start of the year, um, considering how we played that first half against Adelaide as well, and then coming out with that win against St Kilda and being one and two. I was hoping, really hoping that for more, but you know, get a couple of wins out of the next uh, four weeks and and just go into the off season and and really review what went right, what went wrong, and and understand that there is a good core here, and uh, we just need to keep keep on the journey. But it has been disappointing. They do need to start really locking in on some of the goal kicking and and as an aside to that is the all around just skills around the ground because that is contributing unfortunately to some lower effort uh lower percentage chances at goal based on the fact that we're just just the skills around the middle and and stuff like that just aren't quite up to par yet comparatively to some of the competition and you know seeing sydney improve um so drastically over last year shows that it can, you can get bet you can get better a lot quicker than we have so there is a bench there is examples as to why we should be better but um you know again i trust that it will come but it has been a bit disappointing over the last um you know three or four weeks uh the team is um got the indigenous kits out there which um are incredible kits um some of the better ones just really 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 well done um Gemma houghton's had a hand in designing those and i encourage you all to go look at the website or on in the socials there's a you know whether if you're on instagram twitter or whatever you can there's video or there's slideshow like swipe through instagram posts where you can read the story um and i encourage you all to do that um as i do with every time we release one of these kits the story behind it is always really something to understand that these aren't just you know these aren't just random designs there is a real thinking and and i really enjoyed reading the story and and looking at the design elements of the Guernsey and seeing what you know what kind of you know Gemma's personal history and 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 general indigenous history that went into the and understanding of story and dream time and all that stuff that went into it um is always really interesting to see so encourage you all to look at that uh the club obviously I, I haven't mentioned it yet I should have but the Artapulti Football Club again branding uh, I shouldn't say branding name um to recognize the indigenous history of the Port Adelaide area as well um which I, again is something that I really I really encourage people to support and enjoy and not get on Instagram and post about why does everything have to be politicized and stuff like that because you're an idiot if you think that way and um won't make any apologies for having that stance considering the the heightened level of <laughs> country at the moment um vote yes today by the way um do that that would be good um let's be humans for once um and yeah that's about it for that uh take a quick break just touch on the uh, best and fairest that happened over uh, last monday and that'll be it for this week i think all righty so i'll just finish up quickly wrapping up the uh, best and fairest which um went to expectation obviously um i think the, the top the top three uh, essentially was last week i talked i had the you know kind of did a little bit of survey of everyone and 
got like a top three players for us and and you know butters rosie houston was the consensus pretty well and um and a couple of others that popped up in the uh, in the awards actually kind of popped up in in the thoughts of fans as well um so butters first obviously his first is the john cow medal and his first one last year's winner connor rosie came second so a good follow-up year for him um you know and he's really really was right up there with butters this year as as one of our very best and, and it's really just them them two as a tandem was a really a pleasing part of our season this year oh and obviously dan houston had a fantastic year as well and deserved that willem drew who was a lot of people brought up as one of their top five players of the year as well um, best team man medal for him in the, with the Foss Williams medal. Uh, Jason Horn Francis, best player under 21. Probably that Geelong performance really got him over the line there. Um, and Miles Bergman, another one that came came up in discussions in that top five, uh, got the coach's award for most improved. And Trent Dumont, um, good uh, big ins for him for getting the John McCarthy Award for community service. Uh, Nick Moore um, got the A.R. McLean medal for the uh, uh, SNFL's Best and Fairest as well. So well in for him um, for a, de- a good year down at the SNFL level. And, you know, a, a year that was uh, a, marked, a marked improvement over last year uh, for our, our Sandville side as well. So... Um, you know, a, a good performance in a in a in a better year for the for the Magpies as well. Getting back, sneaking back into finals as well. Obviously, didn't go far in the finals, but got back in the discussion, which is good um, considering how just woeful the the twenty twenty two season was at that level. Um, just a bad year all around for the club at that one. But um, yeah, the, the top ten for the John K Medal. Obviously, Zach Butterson uh, was number one. They went Rosie Houston, Drew Alier in fifth. Pal Pepper in sixth, uh, Horn Francis seventh, Miles Bergman eighth, Darcy Byrne Jones nine, and Ollie Wines tenth. Disagree with that one. Um, this isn't anything against Wines, but I know people probably heard last last week I was pretty harsh in his season. I just think, considering the level we expect Wines to be at, I just don't think he was our tenth best player this year. Um, but you know, it's you know the votes are what they are. Uh, but um, yeah, I guess a lot of players fizzled at the end of the year, so it's hard to kind of mark where that is so maybe he was based on performance stats I don't know I just I test I wasn't you know and considering what, what we want wines to be and I know he's played a little bit of in and out of position those changing changing lines this year but I was still just you know disappointed in the year but hey um, Finlayson 11th Marshall 12th Rioli equal 12th um, McEntee 14th McKenzie 15th um, so yeah good years uh, for some players there and um, really yeah, pleased as Zach Butters gets to add the John Cale medal to his uh, his trophy, his personal trophy cabinet, which has gotten a little bit of a bump this year. So good on him. Um, before I finish, shout out to Cam Sutcliffe who um, has announced his retirement from league footy. I think he's still going to be involved in the club in a coaching capacity, but um, he's been a, he was a great pickup just for you know around the club kind of bloke. Um, from Frio a few years ago and obviously we picked him up and rookie listed him and he got a few games in the, at the AFL level as well but he's been a fantastic bloke to have down at the SNFL level and obviously came in with a fair bit of experience with seven years at Frio before that and um, has been a good leader down there at the SNFL level and he will continue to be involved um, in a coaching and educational capacity there And um, but you know retiring from league footy to um, pursue other things And um, but yeah big ups for him for what he's done for Port Adelaide and, 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 and just really appreciative of guys like that around the club um, myself. So, yeah, that's about it for this week. Calm the pair. Uh, 
Yeah, that was that was a low energy kind of pair. I got to do that again. Can the fucking pair? Um, but you know, was, you know, I guess I'm not that hopeful for a win this weekend. So, but you know, he's hoping for a competitive performance from the girls and and something to something to build on for the last four weeks of the season. 